LaCroix is not allowed in Flavortown. I never said we were in Flavortown. I know. I'm always in Flavortown. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. What is up, Patrick? Yo. Welcome to the Design Much podcast, the podcast you listen to, you and our listeners, um, to level up your design game one bite-sized skill at a time. So, one bite-sized skill at a time. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to do that again today. We are doing that again today. And we are talking about how to practice one bite-sized skill at a time. Ooh. Because we talked to Nick Bluth again. Mm-hmm. Part two, right? Part two. Numero dos. Part de. <laughs> part two. Make, did you make that last one up? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that isn't that a movie? I don't know. Oh, I think it's a movie. Okay. Some part D. Okay. I'm not French. I don't know. No, we talked to Nick Bluth before in the inaugural episode of Design Much about practicing and how important design practice is. Today, we wanted to break it down on a smaller level and talk to him about uh, this concept of deliberate practice, which is breaking down breaking down things into smaller pieces. Slowing down and and fine-tuning those smaller pieces and getting really good at those and then putting all those smaller pieces together in a large piece, right? Yeah. yeah. To, to, complete, to complete the circle. Yeah, complete the circle. Um, yeah, Nick brought up this idea, deliberate practice. He you know talked about this concept with us and we thought it was really interesting, so we wanted to bring him on again mm-hmm. um, and kind of dig into what, what this actually means. Yeah, and it's pretty good. I had We had a good time with Nick. But before we get to the interview, Andy, I don't want to talk about LaCroix anymore. Um, but I do want to talk about a little bit about Envision Studio. Okay. They've been, they've been rolling out uh, invites over the last month. They said it was going to be released in January, and then it didn't. Yeah, the end of January, right? Yeah. Or was it just all of January, they just said? They just said January. Okay. But then when when 98% of the design community didn't get an <laughs> invite in January, some people were a little upset. Just a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of people were going on to the Twitters and uh, ragging on Envision and all that stuff about, hey, where's my invite? And do either of us have an invite yet? No. I mean, with this podcast, technically we're influencers, right? Big Aren't time. We? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's Dan Petty and then there's Andy, right? <laughs> I have a fan club, so yeah. You do have a fan club. <laughs> I don't see hashtag Dan Petty fan club anywhere. Exactly. I don't see that. So I don't know what's going on. Like Clark is just not looking in the right places. Yeah. Clark, if you're listening, which we know you are, we need invites to design because because we'll do a we'll do a pleasing, pleasant review of it on the podcast. <laughs> no matter what, it'll be pleasing. Yeah, just like the guys from LaCroix when they sent us the LaCroix things, we did a very pleasing uh, thing. We're not supposed to talk about that. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Um, no, I've heard I've heard positive things and I've heard negative things. So I've heard a lot of people say this this is definitely going to shake up uh, people's workflow. It's going to shake up the tools that they use. And then I, I also hear a lot of people say it's it's pretty alpha. Like um, it's still they're they're still building it. Obviously, like yeah. it's it's not ready for prime time yet. So I I think based on the stuff I've heard, I'm actually kind of excited to to see it to play with it we have a demo tomorrow that makes no sense to the people in the podcast <laughs> when i say tomorrow but i'm excited for our demo that we're gonna have to, yeah. s- to actually see it and see what it can do what it can do uh what it has i, I mean I-, I love sketch mm-hmm. i'm not ready to go away from sketch yet but it, it looks promising it's yeah. really cool you never know like i agree like i'm i'm pretty excited about it 
um, I want to definitely play with it, actually do a project in it, you know, and mm-hmm. um, see how it, it compares um, to Sketch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, what I said before, you know, back a, a few episodes ago when we talked about Envision Studio, I figured it's not going to be fully baked. It's not going to be all the mm-hmm. way there in terms of what we need as designers. Um, but I think we can definitely use it for a lot of stuff. And guess what? It's free. So it's free, we, we don't have to, we can we can run Sketch and Envision Studio side by side while we're trying to compare the both of them. We don't have to like you know ask for two two products and have them to pay for both of those. So I'm I'm excited about that for sure. Yeah, it's only free for 15 days. <laughs> for 15 days. <laughs> Ouch. You can use it as much as you want for 15 days. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think it's, so far everything sounds pretty positive, even yeah. the people that are using it. Even the people that were really negative about it on Twitter were like, it has a lot of potential. So um, I, th- I think it's pretty cool. I haven't played with the new Sketch prototyping yet in Sketch 49. Hmm. But uh, no, I haven't played around. Have you played around with the prototyping in Sketch? I still yet? haven't. I really need to get on that. Um mm-hmm. It looked when I did, I touched it for like a second. Like I, I connected one thing to another and <laughs> that's about it. I didn't actually like, <laughs> I didn't do um, too much in there, but um, it, it looked to be similar to like um, Adobe XD. Yeah. Um, but um, it looks, it looks pretty good. It looks a lot better than the craft one that they mm-hmm. had before. So yeah, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, well, we need to deliberately uh, before the next podcast, probably play around with it. Deliberately. Deliberately. Yeah. Speaking of deliberately, should we talk about should we should we go over to the interview with Nick Let's and do talk about deliberate practice? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. All right, done. <laughs> Did you want a LaCroix? Yes, I, I absolutely You can partake of one. one. Have you had have you had one? No. As a designer, you feel like I should have, but I've yeah. never have had you, a LaCroix. You've never had one? Never yeah, had partake. a LaCroix. They're better cold. I would be lying if I said enjoy LaCroix, but have one. <laughs> Don't enjoy it. You probably won't. You're not going to have one, Patrick? No, why would I have one? Because everybody's having one. I'm not. I don't give into the, the populace. <laughs> I lean more towards Patrick's <laughs> viewpoint on this after trying one. <laughs> oh, come on. We're going to do this with every guest, Andy. I think we should. Until you're the only one in the room that has <laughs> loved drinking this crap. Sometime we're going to have a guest that's going to come on and it's just going to love LaCroix. It's like flavored water without sugar. Yes. That's what it's sparkling water. That's exactly what it is. But there's no, like, I feel like, I feel like you took Gatorade and just pulled all the sugar out of it and that's what's left. You know, you know what's, you know what also is flavored water without sugar? What? Perfume. Yeah. Yeah. Why did uh, they add sugar to anyway, perfume? That they should have done that by now. Yeah, because it would stick to your skin better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we love our high fructose corn syrup here in the in America. So Nick, you're back on the podcast. This is a uh, this is volume number two, the Nick Bluth yeah. volume. You'd think I would have learned it the first time. Yeah, you think we would have learned the first time, <laughs> know, right? Uh, but we talked. So last time we talked about practice, design practice, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you brought up something the other day that we found very interesting. Which is this idea of deliberate practice? Yeah. Uh, tell us what. Tell us and our our audience here what deliberate practice is. So deliberate practice is the idea. Well, if you look at at what people do most days, uh, 
you're in, in work or you're working on a side project, your goal and everything you're doing is focused on the outcome. You want to get good results for your client or your company that you're working for. And so you're always focused on the outcome. You want good results. Deliberate practice is focus on on the actual practice, on the on the process that gets you to that outcome so that you can improve that process. It's it's focusing on practice instead of focusing on on the outcome. And I think that a lot of times in uh, especially in design where we've got we focus design involves a lot of soft skills rather than than hard skills. And I think that we fo- we focus more on the outcome and we if we want to get better uh, a lot of times we'll uh, pick up a side project and say oh, I'm just gonna put in more hours to get better or I'm gonna go to a conference and watch people and those things while they're useful are not gonna drive you to get better as as quickly as as deliberate practice yeah because you're hearing things right you're, you're kind of even when you do side projects, you're still focused on the outcome. Exactly. And when you go to conferences or you read books, all you're doing is hearing what somebody else has done. Mm-hmm. And you have no application for, for that, right? Yeah. You, and you think of, I, so I, I first heard about this in a reading book uh, called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. It's a good book if you haven't read it. Um, and then I've, I've heard it in a few other books. Um, Grit by Angela Duckworth also mentioned it. And so I started looking a little bit more into it, and uh, they they talk a lot about uh, athletes and musicians and other highly specialized skills. And they went in and did research on on how they learn and how they they practice. And what they're doing is they're practicing very specific uh, items very slowly and to perfection. So if I'm uh, a golfer, I would practice my swing repeatedly and until I get it perfect. And even sometimes they, uh, one of them mentioned, and I don't remember who mentioned this, uh, swinging a golf club just slowly and until you get it actually, actually perfect. And instead of focusing on speed and force of that swing, focusing more on the form and the technique uh, rather than how far you're driving the ball or or hitting the ball, you're focusing on that process again. And so that's how people in these fields are are improving. Like with music, uh, they talked about one music school where they had a rule when you were practicing, if somebody walking by outside could recognize the song that you were playing, then you were playing it too fast. Mm-hmm. Hmm. My uh, When I learned how to play guitar when I was a kid, like in junior high, um, my guitar teacher told me that I shouldn't learn the entire song. Um, like never learn an entire song. Mm-hmm. So I'd never have. <laughs> no, but he's, he's a teacher. It's like when we were practicing, uh, when like on, you know, you go home and you practice, we would come back and we just practice measures. We just practice bars together with the guitar teacher. Um, so it's mostly about repetition, right? And getting, getting the process down. Yeah. It's, uh, it's focusing on, on perfection and, Oftentimes that means repeating uh, a specific portion of your practice multiple times until you get it perfect or focus on it and do it slowly so that it is perfect. Uh, 
there was uh, another example given about uh, shooting free throws, and uh, they said it's it's better to to actually just focus on the free throw and have somebody else retrieve the ball and keep score for you and sh- get a hundred or get two hundred shots in in a few minutes than going and retrieving the ball each time and getting half as many shots in. So so focus on on quantity and and also quality. Make sure that you're doing it doing it right and having the right technique because it builds up muscle memory. Now it I say this I say muscle memory, it's a little bit tricky with design because we don't have a whole lot of hard skills. I mean there are some there's uh, one that I like to think of as hotkeys. If you can get some muscle mm-hmm. memory so that your brain automatically goes to those things, it's useful. But a lot of the things, uh, like knowing what looks good and what colors to use and what arrangement to use, uh, is more of a soft skill, and you've got to build that up over yeah. time. So that one's a little bit trickier. Kind of using a tool or learning a tool, though, is kind of yeah. Kind it's of a, it's very much a hard like skill. skill type thing. So you said something interesting. You said like. Um, a lot of going along with the sports analogies, right? Like they are getting these techniques down until they get them perfect. Is what you said. Uh-huh. Now, once they get these techniques, um, quote unquote, down, like they actually get them like perfect, perfected. Um, do they have to go back and still practice these? Can they like slowly lose these techniques over time, or like once they get it down, is their muscle memory good, so they don't need to keep practicing these? No, I think they're doing them constantly. I. Uh Heard a story about uh, Tom Brady. Back to the sports analogies because it kind of works with uh, with this. But Tom Brady uh, goes back to his initial coach, and uh, I think every like twice a year, and talks to him and, and goes through just the basics of of throwing passes. And he's got a little slip of paper he keeps in his back pocket, written down with. Uh, with some things to remember. So he goes through those regularly. And you look at any sports team, uh, they're on the sidelines before they go out and play. They're practicing, they're running drills. Um, it's something you constantly have to do to stay on, on top of it. Okay. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you deliberately practice? So I, uh, in design, it's, it's a little bit different and it can be challenging. So I mentioned, uh, hotkeys, mm-hmm. uh, is one that, that was one when I was uh, in school for design. I had a, a classmate that decided he was going to learn a new hotkey every day, and he went through and practiced it. And anytime he had to do something, even if it took longer initially, he would not do anything by using the top menu or or any of that functionality. He would only use hotkeys to complete stuff, and he knew more hotkeys than anybody in the class. Hmm. And but I thought it was a good example of of design of deliberate practice uh and there's other ways you have to be kind of creative about it uh but one thing that uh that i did i wanted to learn uh the pathfinder tool in sketch because it's a lot different than illustrated that i was familiar with yeah uh so i went through and and started just designing things i had illustrator and sketch at the time and i could easily do it in illustrator but i went through and deliberately spent time each day uh, practicing the Pathfinder tool in Sketch until eventually I got to the point where I feel fairly comfortable with it now. Um, but I still have to, If it's one of those things, like you said, I've, I've got to keep using it, otherwise it starts to fade. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I think there's other things you can do. Uh, those are kind of hard skills. With soft skills, uh, one example I've heard of, uh, I haven't tried it, but it, it seems like fun, would, is just role-playing. Uh, let's say you're doing a, a user interview. Uh, role-play that with one of your coworkers. And uh, the example I read, they had their coworker uh, do different situations. One of them was they're really angry or they're, uh, they have a, they find the interviewer attractive or just kind of weird out there <laughs> extreme never, situations. That's never our problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually more of the hideous route. But that does uh, lead me to a- another point that you should uh, should focus on is those seem kind of extreme. Like there's not going to be a whole lot of many times when the person you're interviewing is extremely angry. But um, one of the things you should do for deliberate practice is uh, exaggerate and test your boundaries so that uh, you know where you're you, so that you can fail and that you're uh, you're testing the limits of, of what you can do. They uh, tell a story about Wayne Gretzky and he'd go out there on the ice and practice and he was just by himself and they said it looked ridiculous because you'd watch him and he kept falling down all the time but it's because he was pushing himself so that he knew what its li- his limits were so that he could push right up to those limits when the time came when it was game time. So we should role play interviews and ask people really offensive questions. Yeah, do yeah, it. That's, I think that's what he's saying right yeah. now. <laughs> and see where the line is. Well, I like that a lot. It sounds like um, it, it's a really good opportunity to simulate failure because we as humans, we as designers, we learn a lot from failure, right? So being able to practice more gives us more opportunities to fail and learn from those experiences. Yeah, and that should be the goal of, of deliberate practices. You want to push it to the point that you are failing so that you can learn faster than you would because in a, in a regular work environment, mm-hmm. you're not willing to fail because people are depending on you, they're paying you, and they're not paying you to fail, and you need to be learning outside of work. Yeah. I'm trying to find out, I'm trying to figure out ways that deliberate practice would work uh, since we were talking about it because I want to improve my visual design stuff. Uh-huh. So I've been thinking about ways that maybe vi- that <clears throat> deliberate practice would work. And I thought one thing you brought up in the first podcast was the, like, like picking somebody else's work and and designing over the top of it, kind of, uh-huh. just designing, just replicating what they did, um, and maybe, I mean, and I think this is that's kind of what this would be, right? On some level, maybe just taking smaller pieces of that. Yeah, and there's other ways uh, aside from just copying people's work, uh, which is a great idea that you can set some some limitations and challenge yourself. Um, one thing you could do is set uh, a size limitation. Say, I'm going to design this, but I set uh, a size limitation. Say, I'm going to design this, but I've only got 36 pixels by 48 pixels. It's just a super small uh, screen size. Let's say you're designing it for a a watch or something. Hmm. Uh, Or set yourself time restrictions. Say, okay, I've got to design this website in five minutes what do i do or uh maybe color restrictions do it all in black and white or uh, even another thing you could do to stretch yourself is try it in another medium uh, get out a paintbrush and 
paint your website so that you're hmm. you're coming at it from different angles and learning different things about what you're trying to do. Hmm. That's a good point. Awesome. So how would you recommend somebody like get started with this? And like how how do they define like what they want to start practicing? So uh, those are both good questions. I would suggest that uh, you're, when you're learning something, it's your brain is really just like a muscle. So the best thing to do is start small. And it's, it's better to do regular intervals, even if they're two minutes a day, as long as you're regularly doing them, than to go all in and do one big chunk and then give up on it for a couple of days and come back to it. But the, uh, the consistency is, is probably the most important part. So start small and be consistent, I think would be the best way to start out. And, and then you can increase it from there. If, uh, if you find it successful, if you see your, your growth, start expanding it to 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, uh, as your, as your skills improve and as you, your tolerance for it improves. Because sometimes when you first start at it, it can be a little bit tedious to just do something over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you, if you stick with it, you get, you build up a tolerance to, to doing that type of stuff. So it's a lot like, I mean, it's kind of basically like conditioning, right? Um, so like if I wanted to condition myself to enjoy a LaCroix, I could start out with one sip a day for like a week and then move to two for like a week. And then eventually after like six months, I could tolerate it enough. You could joke But I could down. be a designer for rails. Yeah. Okay. I think that's that's how Andy did it. Yeah. But it is about conditioning. It's about conditioning and work, right? Like really, when you're talking about deliberate practice, it's putting in, it's it's almost putting in the, the time, the hours. You always hear that sports cliche, like putting in the time. But then also just just repeating the process over and over again, so it just conditions your body, conditions your brain to to do to think do like that, right? Exactly. And I I also think it's very I think that practice is very important because you'll you'll find as you start into a, a career, you, you're starting in design, your instructors and your natural skill level to, will get you to a certain point, but you'll find after a while that you just begin to plateau because you're just working and you're not growing anymore. And I think a lot of people struggle when they hit that plateau because everybody likes to feel growth and likes to feel that challenge. And I think that's one of the big common things that people miss in, in design is that additional practice that's not actually producing results because it can be hard to do because as designers we want to we want to build stuff we want to make stuff that looks cool mm -hmm. and if i can't put this on my dribble account then why am i spending time on it yeah exactly um so is this i mean is this how someone would is this really how someone develops a talent then yeah i uh i think among other things i think this is a, a key component for not only building talent but building talent quickly is putting in that time and energy if you if you want to get the results you have to put in that time and energy and i i also think especially you know we work in in the ux field and there's a lot of people coming up 
that are willing to put in that time and effort and some of us that have been around a little bit longer maybe are just riding off of we were first ones here and we've been doing it for years but that's only going to get us so far so if we're not practicing we're not going to be able to stay ahead of some of these junior designers that are ambitious and are willing to put in that extra effort and and progress past the point that we're at what what deliberate um, practices are you focusing on to to better your skills as a, as a designer yeah so uh there's there's a couple things i um i like to design stuff at night we talked last time about designing icons mm-hmm. and that actually started out as a kind of a deliberate practice thing where i just wanted to do it on the side and and get better at it and it's kind of switched now because now i'm uh doing it to actually produce the icons and doing it for outcome so it's i couldn't technically count it as practice anymore um but there are a few things i mentioned the the pathfinder tool mm-hmm. uh, another thing that uh that i've practiced at and still have to continue to practice at because it's a little bit tricky is the pen tool and uh and getting that so that I can accurately trace something or outline something. And it's it's a pretty easy practice. Just get an object and outline the silhouette of that object. Okay. And as you practice it, you can you can try and do it in, with fewer and fewer anchor points uh, to increase your challenge. And then you can also try and do it faster and faster. Uh, and at some point you can get to the, the point, and I'm not there yet. But where you can just outline something quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Um, hotkeys is one that I mentioned earlier. Is one that I uh, don't do as often as I should. But I'm I'm trying to pick up more and more hotkeys uh, because it improves the the speed of your work. It makes things easier. Awesome. And how are you like defining like these are the things that I want to practice on? Like how how are you actually pointing those things out for for your betterment? Yeah. So I think, so I kind of keep a, a running list of things that I want to learn more about. I've got a, a, a page in, in Evernote where I'll keep different resources and links and uh, other things that I want to improve on. And I'll go into that and pull, a, pull something from there. And I, I kind of use that as a, a list of here's what I eventually want to be and eventually want to know. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of go down that list and I've prioritized it and just kind of check things off that list as I, as I work to improve because you have to, uh, you have to set some goals as to where you are and where you want to be. Uh, another thing that, that helps that is to get a, a coach or a peer that can give you feedback because oftentimes we're bad at, at judging our own abilities. So find somebody you trust and talk to them. And say, okay, here's where I think I am. Where do you think I am? Where could I improve? What are some some reasonable goals you think I, I should set? And uh, let somebody else help you with that, I think, is a, another good way to figure out what you need to work on. Awesome. Um, your UX, what, what's, it, what's it called again? Your UX uh, thing that you do? Oh, the weekly UX? Weekly UX. Weekly UX dot? Dot co. Dot co. Weekly UX dot co. So that's I, what that's based on, right? Yes. So I, I actually set this up um, because I was teaching Dev Mountain at the time and had a bunch of students that were finishing 
Dev Mountain and didn't have anything else to work on, uh, didn't know what they should do to practice, and so I it helps them to have something deliberate that they could focus on without worrying about the results. They could just practice one thing per week and uh, and gradually improve. And so uh, I set it up. It's just a a simple email campaign that sends out one email a week and uh it's i've i've gotten pretty good feedback from it a lot of people have have enjoyed it we actually andy and i tried it uh we did it for a while in our our weekly meetup and we would go through one of the the challenges and draw it up on the whiteboard and uh i think it was fun it was useful for me at least yeah i agree cool uh do you have anything else do you have any questions for us? Anything else? No. Cool. I think you guys have answered all my questions. Thank you. Right. <laughs> I'm glad we answered all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy, was that a good was that a good interview or what? I think so. With Nick? Yeah. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, we have him back on again. Yeah. This is it was it was great having him back. Yeah, it was good. I missed him. I don't see him that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like he works in the office with us. No. Or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's not like he's just around the corner every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was really good to talk to him about it. I, I uh, uh, the one thing that it reminded me of uh, going into the lessons learned segment here. The one thing that it reminded me of was learning how to play guitar when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how that's how I learned to play guitar. I'm not a great guitar player by any means, but. Like uh, when I wanted to learn an entire song, my teacher would just teach me one part of it and then send me home. And that's all I would practice that whole entire week was that one part. So yeah. I practice like, you know, the the bridge or something that that one time and then, you know, get really good at it. And he also uh, he also brought up slowing the pace down in, in the interview. And that reminded me of learning how to play the guitar because. Uh, we would, uh, I would turn the metronome on and I would slow the metronome down a lot when I was getting like my chord progressions together. Okay. Um, so you slow, you slow the metronome down and you play to the metronome going really slow and then you play for a while until you kind of get it at that pace and then you speed up and then you speed up and you speed up until you're at the, the speed of like the, the, the song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like what he said about that, like slowing down a little bit and practicing. And I think that's, uh, he made a good point about like learning hotkeys too. I'm very terrible at learning hotkeys because I feel like I can't remember anything. But when I have learned hotkeys, it's because of the repetitive nature and, you know, not hitting the right things. And, like, instead of staring at my screen and trying to figure out where the keys are, um, I'll look at my fingers. Yeah. And and make sure I'm, make sure I'm doing it right. So I'll slow down the pace. Nice. Um, another, thing, uh, another thing that he brought up was uh, with deliberate practice was focusing on the process itself and not the outcome. Uh, he brought up like working here. It's hard to practice at a job because you're expected to perform. Your mm-hmm. outcome is, is supposed to be good, right? So you're not really supposed to practice while you're at work and getting paid for it. Yeah, so I thought there was a lot of good stuff. What did what did you learn from from old Mr. Bluth? Old Mr. Bluth. Old banana stand. <laughs> what did you learn from? Um yeah, I learned uh, a bunch of great stuff too. And, you know, you talking about your childhood kind of reminded me of mine because, you know, I had one of those too. Um, you did? I did have a childhood. You had a childhood? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oh, I thought you were always like this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm still a child now. So I, I can understand why you, yeah. why you think that. <laughs> 
But it reminds me, like, because I when I grew up, I, I did a lot of skateboarding, and mm. when you're learning like tricks on skateboards, like you have, there's a lot of progression there. So if you're gonna like do a, a 50 50 grand, you really have to get your ollies down so you can jump up and do it. And if you like have a really weird ollie, you're gonna fall. So yeah. like even when you're warming up, you're gonna go to the skate park <laughs> and warm up. You have to like warm up and like okay, I gotta like do some practice ollies to make sure like my ollie is stable, and I can start doing tricks like kickflips and grinds and everything. And if I don't have that first part down, I don't have that muscle memory of practicing, then I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. So um, it definitely reminds me of that a lot too. Um, but some things that really stuck out to, to me about what Nick said was um, how you can use you know deliberate practice to test your boundaries and allow yourself to fail. So you can you know really give yourself some some limitations that can make you mess up. Like I have to design this this thing in ten minutes. I might not be able to do it, but I get to practice and I, I failed in this scenario, for example. Um, but then I learned something from that failure, just like we always do. We always learn yeah. from failure. So I really liked that. And also, like when, you, when you're starting to actually adopt a deliberate practice, it's good, as Nick mentioned, to start with something small, um, specifically with, with time. So if you're going to start deliberately practicing something, you should just give yourself a small amount of time to do it. And then as you get better and you see your skills improve, just give yourself some more time. Um, and so you're, you're more conditioned to get it, you know, to have that muscle memory and get it right. So just give yourself a little bit more time and you can um, grow even more in that time. Mm-hmm. So um, those things really stuck out to me. I thought it was a, a pretty great um, interview with Nick. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, if you guys tell us what you learned we want to know. So if you're out there, yeah, we do. We want to know. We want to know if you're learning anything, if you're applying any of these things that mm-hmm. you're learning from the podcast, how you're applying them, that kind of stuff. Just uh, hit us up on Twitter, um, at design underscore much on Twitter. Um, or if you're on the local Product Hive uh, Slack group, hit us up there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you haven't already rated the podcast too on iTunes, if you're listening on iTunes, you haven't rated it, uh, just do it now while you're listening. It's not hard. Just, you know, five stars done right yeah a couple clicks um, yeah a couple clicks a few clicks i don't know in itunes it might be like twenty five thousand clicks <laughs> who knows <laughs> uh, we also like to thank nick bluth for coming back on and joining us again i know it was hard for him to walk across the office and do that that was a struggle for him to take, yeah, take the time to do I, that. I think he took a nap right after yeah yeah and also too if you guys know anybody that we should interview if you guys have anybody in mind that you think is like a genius about something or would be great on the podcast let us know too mm-hmm. um, and let us know if there's somebody we should interview and we'll reach out to them and, and get them set up on the get them set up to do this because um, yeah we can't interview Nick Bluth every time <laughs> I mean it'd be great <laughs> yeah as always uh, 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 be excellent to each other out there what accent is that, man? That's, that's my uh, Chicago. <laughs> hey, what's going on there, Andy? What uh, what do you think about old Nick Bluth? Think he's think he's a good guy? <laughs> Why haven't we been doing the podcast in that in that voice this entire I don't know. time? I don't know. But uh, maybe maybe next time we'll do the podcast in that voice. Um. Uh, see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Design Much. It's been real fam.
pregnant, pregnant pause. pause is? I don't know. Like an extended pause? Why, why is it like a pregnant? Like a pause with it. Because the pause has another pause inside of it. <laughs> <laughs>